welcome to the Slow Brew Finance Podcast, where I teach you how to take control of your money one coffee cup at a time. And today is Monday, February 14th, and it's Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's, everyone. Before I begin, I wanted to mention Instagram and Twitter at Slow Brew Finance, and you can also go to slowbrewfinance.com, and there is a contact page where you can email me, you can get the conversation going. So it being Valentine's, obviously, love and money was going to definitely be my the topic of the day. Um, and, and here's a huge disclaimer. I'm, it's kind of hard for me to talk about it and not because, uh, not because, you know, it's, it's not something that I, that Sunday and I do or that we're not good at. I think we actually have a good handle of things. The thing, it's hard for me to talk about it because it's, um, it's highly, it's highly personal and it's sometimes I don't even know how to go about, you know, saying things. I think for me, you know, talking about the math behind, you know, budgeting or personal finance might be actually kind of easy, but this kind of stuff gets touchy, especially with some people. So I'm just going to do my best uh, at giving you a couple tips that uh, have worked in my marriage and um, and then you can take it from there, <laughs> take it or leave it. And then I'm also going to bring in Sunday uh, in the second half of this podcast um, and the longer half of this podcast. And we're going to ask um, a couple questions that I found on this article. So that's going to be the article of the week is this us talking about uh, this article that I found on YNAB, 84 financial questions to ask your partner. Uh, it's really interesting because um, it breaks down a couple questions by, you know, what to do when you're newly dating, then when you're seriously dating, when you're engaged and then married. So I took some of the questions in each each one of those and um, uh, the, the, probably the, the, the best ones that I found uh, once I can get the conversation going and, and we're going to answer those uh, here later on. But uh, without any further ado, let me just talk about a couple of the uh, of the things that I would say have helped. So these are tips. Take them, take them or leave them, whatever you want. Um, this one's less of a tip and more like a serious tip. <laughs> it's more like you should you should do this uh, 100% of the time. Uh, talk about money. I know that's uh, it can for some for some people. I've actually been surprised to hear that even married people have a hard time talking about money, um, and uh, and in kind of makes sense. Money is a touchy subject. I can't really, uh, I mean, for me to talk about money with anyone, it's kind of, it's kind of already kind of hard. Um, but it, it could be a blind spot. A lot of people don't talk about it. And I think if, if you're going to do one thing is at least start the conversation, no matter how, how awkward or weird it is for you. Um, even when you're dating, I think, you know, go through this article on YNAB that I found. YNAB, by the way, is uh, youneedabudget.com. So you can find that article there. And just, you know, start with the easy, easy questions and then see what the other person thinks or feels. Um, if if there's no communication, you know, there's no healthy marriage. And I mean, you can say this for money, but you can say it for, you know, 100 other things. Make sure you're always talking and... Um, you know, for me, it's important that in a marriage, we line up our values, you know, close together, that we're not too far apart. Um, and so having those discussions have actually, you know, taught me a lot about how to handle money as a, as a husband. Uh, another tip, uh, and th- this is a little more specific, more doable, uh, and not so abstract, have one budget, um, I haven't really talked about budgeting, but I think budgeting is essential. I think a lot of people think budgeting needs to be a an Excel spreadsheet or something, and I don't think it necessarily needs to, be, you know, be that. Um, I've met couples who do it uh, by by keeping some sort of actual booklet or little physical uh, notebook where they, you know, write whatever. Uh, transactions they've had, or they just kind of, you know, every month they might uh, put their goals and write them down and then actually look at their transactions and see if they line up. 
I think for the the easiest thing, 100% is every dollar. I think every dollar is a great uh, budgeting software and it's it's the most basic. Um, I use YNAB. Uh, it is paid. <laughs> it's like $100 a year now. Uh, for me, it's worth it mainly because of the business that I that I run and uh, and that money gets confusing. If you want to <laughs> if you want to talk about confusion, you know, one thing is is marriage. It's actually having uh, you know so a, a partner and then figuring out what you want to do with your money. But the, the other thing that gets way more complicated is having a business and then deciding what stays in the business and what goes to you. That is a, a hard question. And I think one that I'm, I'm still even trying to learn more about because it can get hard. It can get 100% hard and uh, budgeting becomes way, way harder because you have um, funds that have absolutely no name <laughs> uh, where, yeah, you charge for this product and you know, uh, in my case, services, I charge for the service and there's things that I need to do. I need to pay taxes. I need to um, get equipment in my case. I need to do all these things, but then there's discretionary money. But at the same time, I don't know how much to save because you know, the future, I might not sell as much and it gets super complicated and then bring, bring your spouse in and then also talk about what you want to do in your personal lives. It can get really, really complicated. So for me, YNAB 100% is what I use and I um, recommend eventually uh, if you if you love budgeting, which is, I know it's weird. It sounds weird. There's people out there like that, uh, including me. Uh, I would 100% recommend YNAB. Uh, another thing that I would say is uh, making sure that within your budget you have different accounts. Um, so our needs giving, our investing, it's all the same allocation. We talk about what we want to give. We talk about what we want to invest. We talk about how much we need to survive. And we do, we do have specific categories for that, but I think more importantly, <laughs> and this is something that has kept us sane is having three discretionary accounts. So in my case is mine, hers and ours. Uh, and it's pretty easy. We need money to uh, spend freely without any guilt. And, uh, and if you have one category for the whole family, that is not going to go well. Um, because you know, I, I can think that some of the things that Sunday spends on, uh, are not necessarily important or that she shouldn't be spending on those. And same thing for, you know, her to me, you know, I just spent $15 on this, <laughs> on this game app on the iPhone. I kind of regret it at this point now because I need to delete that. <laughs> I need to delete the app. I've been kind of playing too much. Um, and, uh, but, but that discretionary money needs to be there for me to do whatever I want to do. Um, no questions asked. If I want to spend it all by eating Chipotle every day for a whole week, then, uh, then I need to have that freedom without her uh, necessarily approving it and, uh, and then vice versa. So, um, my account is just, you know, Jose's spend spending money, Sunday spending money. And then our account that is discretionary is for things that we do together. So we do say for vacationing, eating out, um, we have a little date fund. That's a really cool thing that we, we start establishing. Uh, we had for a while, then we stopped it for some reason, I guess COVID at some point during COVID, we we're like, we're not going out any, anytime soon. Uh, but we reinstated it and it's been really fun. Usually, usually we spend it on going to movies and, uh, or eating out actually. So it's, it can get weird trying to see which, which is the date fund money and which is the eating out money. But the date fund money, uh, category has been really, really important. Then we have a Valentine's and anniversary category and, uh, and then birthday gifts, but that's for our family. So my birthday gift and her birthday gift. And uh, we, we separated from the birthday gift category that we have for other people um, because that's on the giving category. Our, our birthday gifts is on the discretionary category. So, so that's our account that we, we have together. And then whenever we want to do something together, we usually take from that one. Uh, but it's super important to make sure that you still have different accounts for or allocations for your spending, because, uh, let me tell you, it's not going to go well when you want to, 
you know spend on a on a on a silly little video game or something and she wants to go out and get her nails done and you know you you get in a fight about which one you should do uh make sure you keep those separate i think it's actually pretty healthy to do that okay so instead of again doing the article of the week we're going to go through a, the 84 financial questions to ask your partner uh from Wynab and uh, and i'm going to bring in sunday <music> Welcome back, and we have my wife, the one, the beautiful, the Hi. <laughs> the, the only one for me, Sunday Ordonez. Thank you, Jose. For what? For that introduction. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask some questions, and uh, and then yeah, I mean you can answer as short or as long as you want to, but I have 13. Are oh. we both? Can we both answer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're both gonna answer, but um, you let me know if you want to go first, and if you if you need a second to think. Okay. Okay. So number one is, uh, did your family talk about money growing up? I can go first. Okay. Um, honestly, not really. Like, um, I think the only thing growing up about money that I actually do think was helpful that I learned about was. I always naturally as a kid was like really weirdly like entrepreneurial and so like I would always want to like start my own little businesses and stuff and my mom actually like helped me do that and like she would give me like some starter money that I could use to like buy supplies and then like she always would tell me to like keep a little like savings bucket in case I needed to like buy stuff so that I feel like that was the only like money thing that I learned growing up but other than that like I feel like my impression of money growing up was like, it seems like my parents always had the like scarcity mindset. Like it always seemed like there was like just enough money to get by. And I feel like my, I mean, this is coming for anyone that doesn't know, this is coming from the perspective of someone who grew up as a missionary kid. Um, so I feel like my parents were always like naturally very frugal and it wasn't really encouraged to like splurge that much. Um, am I going too long? No. Oh, okay. Um, and so I feel like because of that, I've had a little bit of like guilt, mm -hmm. money, like feeling guilt. Um, cause I feel like growing up, I, I never really was like the one to like, splurge that much or anything so like now as an adult like having the freedom to do that a little bit more is like something i didn't really experience that much growing up so who was the who was the saver and who was the spender and my parents? my mom was definitely the saver my dad was definitely the spender it mm. was kind of like the thing of if you but, wanted something, you would ask your, I would ask, you would ask your dad, my dad, because you know, he was probably gonna be like, oh yeah, of course, like we can go buy that. But it's funny because like, he knows we can't afford it. Knowing your family, calling your dad a spender is like, in American terms, he's definitely not a huge spender at all. He's not, but he, he like is so much more like he relaxed. Yeah. Like he would just go buy a latte or something like without any thought. But like my mom is like, oh, why would we do that? Why would we spend five dollars on that when we could just make that at home? Yeah, well, I mean, I know knowing like your family, you have four other siblings. Yeah, you all grew up in the Philippines, so uh, I mean, I can definitely see why scarcity might might come in handy. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the having a lot of a big family definitely plays into it too. Yeah, uh, I'll go with. So did we talk about money growing up? No, but it wasn't because it was uh, taboo. It was just, we just, I don't know. Never did really Did you ever like it. ask your parents, like, did you ever like need help with something and you wanted to ask them or their opinion on it? Or did you ever, like, was there ever any instance, like how I was saying with, I had my own little freelance thing, I mm -hmm. needed help with that. Like, was there ever any instance where you asked your parents for like advice on money or help? Uh, no, the one... <laughs> The one advice my mom gave me was to start building credit, and uh, and then it, it didn't get me good to good places, I guess. But um, 
for, for honestly, my mom did budget a little bit, and sometimes I would sneak in and kind of ask questions, and she would show me the the family budget actually, and it was it was good that she was open like that. She wasn't like, and I knew how much my dad made. Uh, I guess we never, I never, my siblings and I never divulged that information around school or anything. Um, but I definitely like the the things I learned about money definitely came as an adult, not not as a not as a kid. Um, Another thing that I just remembered too is like, I feel like growing up, um, my my family's money mindset was like, because I feel like now my mindset is like, if I want something, I like budget for it and save for it before I like spend on it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like growing up, my my parents always pushed the idea of like, if you want something really if you have like a really big thing that you're going for, like a hundred percent go for it. And it doesn't matter if you don't have the money for it right now. Cause like somehow you'll come up with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my, <laughs> that was my family too. And, uh, the, the thing with me growing up is that we had money to spend at times. And then when, whenever, cause my dad was, you know, he's self-employed and whenever we hit any, <laughs> any downturn, anytime he would not sell, uh, shows he's actually a comedian. I'm not making this up. He's a comedian. Um, then, then you would you would see that. And so for me, growing up, like seeing the ups and downs, and especially once I started going to college, the it, the ups and downs became way way more evident. Um. Then I then I kind of started uh, feeling that I wanted to control that, and I think that's why today. I'm a huge, I'm a huge saver because of that. Because I don't like experiencing the ups and downs. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like I can relate with that too as um, a missionary kid. Because like, obviously it's very different from like just uh, parents who have like a regular salary job. Like months can differ of like how much money comes in and stuff like that. Um, And so, and I feel like because of that, like I always even though it wasn't really talked about that much explicitly, like I felt like there was instability and like just not clarity on like what the future was. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like because of that, I agree that in my adult life, I, I crave like that stability more. All right, we're going to move on and we do have to make these quicker because we want to get through all of them. Um, uh, what scares you about money? That's the second question. Um, I can go. If you have something. Yeah. For me, um, especially since having my own business, I like fear that the, the well's going to run dry. I, right now, I don't fear that. But historically, I've always felt like I'm one step away <laughs> from complete ruin. Um which is not healthy, <laughs> which is not a healthy, um, mindset to be in. Uh, I guess that mindset really developed when, when I was one very aware of money. I, I had become pretty financially literate, but then I started my own business and there was, um, like six months where I wasn't <laughs> like, it was rough trying to bring in money when I first started you know, with a business. And then, um, I think there was a point now, let me see if this is right. Like October, 2019 or something. I remember we had to sell, I had to sell my bike to cover rent. <laughs> and then I had like, we had like $14 in our, in our checking account. And from there on, I was like, I'm never going to let this happen again. So, um, for me, for me, yeah, I'm I'm scarcity driven for sure. I'm scarcity driven, and it scares me that I'm one step away from from not even financial ruin because that's not gonna happen. Like yeah. we have we have emergency like emergency reserves and everything, but uh, from even even touching it, like that scares me. And I yeah. definitely happened with the medical event I had in 2020, where like um. 
looking back, I wasn't as scared, which was great. But like for me, thinking about like, oh my gosh, what if I get into a place again where I'm like disabled for a couple months, you know, um, it's, it always scares me, you know, but, uh, that's just me. What, what about you? Yeah, honestly, I, I don't really stress about money that much, to be honest, like, cause I feel like my personality is just, I'm very laid back in general, almost to a fault with like, that I'm so laid back that I don't even like think about those types of things. I wouldn't say to a fault. You're pretty <clears throat> responsible, but you're more. I know, but I'm saying back. in in the past, like when I was younger, like I would care so little about it. I I would be the type of person to like care so little about it that I wouldn't even like check my bank account or anything, um, and which is not really that good. But I mean, I so with that being said, I don't have like a ton of fear surrounding money. Like I actually feel very relaxed right now in like compared to the past. Um, but I think if there was one thing that scares me, um, it's kind of similar to your answer. Cause as a free, as a small business owner right now, um, like exactly what you're just saying, like months, months vary always I don't have a set amount of money that I'm making every month so that could be a, a little scary sometimes mm -hmm. and as someone who has clients I just have the fear that my clients are gonna just all drop me at the same time and then I'm gonna have no money um, no income so I would say that scares me a little bit but at the same time I feel relaxed at the same time because I experienced having a stable nine to five job and I got let go from that job without any notice. And so because of that, I think that was actually pretty eye-opening to me because it makes you realize even when you think you have a stable nine to five job, even that job is, you could lose it at any moment. And so I think because of that, that actually kind of gives me a little bit of peace that no matter what job I'm in, I should just work on having emergency reserves, having a plan, because no matter what job you have, like you could lose it at any moment. So you should just be prepared for those types of things because they will happen. Yeah, and, and what's funny, uh, we at that time the Sunday got let go, we were looking at buying a house. <laughs> so it was early last year. And it's, it's so funny to me because um, at that point I was doing pretty well. Like my business had good reserves. Um, I was already, I had payroll for myself and, um, it's just it's so funny how the bank would not want, like they didn't want to make me, uh, alone, but they would they make you, approve you. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to make me, they didn't want to lend me any money. Yeah. So it had to be all under you, like your mortgage because you had a, a safer, <laughs> a safer job or whatever. And it's like, she got let go, <laughs> like instantly, almost from there. It's like, okay, well. Yeah, it's pretty ironic. It's flawed as heck. And it, from there, the business has only grown. My business and. Uh, and my business too. Yeah, exactly. And it's 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 like you're a criminal for having a, a, a business if you want to take out a loan for, for a house. So, but that's a talk for a different day. This next question should be like a one worded answer. Do you carry a credit card balance? No. I don't either. But we have the same credit card, so. <laughs> what about me saying Never. yes? I'm like, yes. You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is your opinion on debt? My opinion on debt. My opinion on debt is you shouldn't have debt in general unless it's maybe like a mortgage. And even then I would, I would challenge you that you should take care of your finances in general before you bring on a financial burden, like, like a mortgage. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty conservative like that too. I don't think, I think, um, people can, once, once you say yes to a certain type of debt other than a mortgage, it's usually a, a slippery slope. You just, you just want to keep on borrowing. I also think Jose and I are not to like 
sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I feel like we're the rare breed that we can have credit cards and do credit card hacking and and manage it pretty well and not carry a balance. But as Dave Ramsey says, that's not most people. Most people don't have the self-control to do that. So I would honestly go so far to suggest maybe if, if you tend to be bad with those types of things, maybe you should just avoid credit cards at all costs too. Yeah. I have I have had and I and I've expressed this to you this sense of even even now getting rid of all the credit cards. Yeah. It's just it's kind of a dumb I, I don't do it for you know building a, a credit score because I think yeah. that's that's kind of dumb. Uh, credit your FICO score is probably the least important financial number in your life. Most people don't realize that though. Um and uh we have we have this credit card, the City City what is City it? City Bank. City Double. It's called like City Double Cash. I'm pretty sure it's called City Double Cash or something. But um it's it's a two percent one, but they just announced that they were not gonna give cash back and I was like I don't yeah, I might not the oh and also just to like clarify for anyone that's wondering, the only reason we do have credit cards is to get like cash rewards or travel rewards. Yeah. But even then, there's some studies showing that um, you spend more with a credit card. The The problem with that um, with that idea for me is that we have a budget. And we never really we never, go over budget. Yeah, we don't go past our budget. So I don't foresee if we yeah. if we switch to all debit card, I feel like we would spend the same amount. Yeah, I think for me, if there's a financial problem, it's definitely not on the overspending side. I feel like I'm encouraging myself to spend more. I feel like we're very conservative in yeah, our spending. I, so I just, yeah, if, if a credit card makes me overspend, then maybe that's that's probably good at this point. Um, five, um, how far ahead do you like to plan financially? I, th- I mean, Jose does most of the budgeting in our family. Um, I am involved, but you're the one who actually manages it. But I believe we plan like one to two months like ahead, right? Well, I mean, I would say we plan well, I 60 mean, years ahead. Yeah, we plan for retirement and stuff too. But in terms of like our cash inflow and then how we're allocating it, we plan like more than a month out. Like mm-hmm. we... We already have all of our, <clears throat> we use YNAB, so we don't, we don't do the budgeting strategy of like, if we know we have a thousand dollar check coming in, we go ahead and start spending it. We don't spend it until it actually comes in. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we, we plan like I'm I don't I'm really bad at explaining it but yeah. from what I understand with YNAB we we plan like a month out so that all of our expenses for the whole month are covered and then as income comes in it's going towards the next month yeah so the last day of every month we already have the whole month, month following covered. yeah yeah all budgeted up yeah um yeah I mean I would say we in terms of budgeting, we do that. We come up with the with the numbers. Mm-hmm. I come up with the ideas of how to actually deal with the business and how much to bring in and how to like track that. So the budgeting of the business is one hundred percent mine. I will say that. But um, but the housing, um, the actual like family spending, we 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 plan together. I usually manage the actual software, um, and. Uh, and yeah, I guess it makes sense that a lot of the financial planning falls on my end. So I, I'm the one who... The technicality. I do it. have the retirement spreadsheet on my Google Drive. And then every now and then I'll show you. And you're like, yeah. cool. Like, yeah. Anyway. And we also have like meetings, like, I don't know, quarterly or something. Like family meetings where we kind of just talk about our goals for the year. Like financially, like like what things do we want to save for like um because like if we if we say we want to do a trip in six months we'll kind of start like saving for that or planning for that or if there's like I don't know we want to buy a new car or something like we kind of like save for that or plan for it um 
that car thing. Uh, um, that's an example. I'm not <laughs> that's actually, an example. That's why yeah. we have had the same car for them. Yeah. For a while. Um, but we are saving for a new car. Yeah. There's only like a hundred dollars in that. Or there's 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 more than that. <laughs> <laughs> there's more than that. We save like a hundred dollars a month. This that's like a a thing um, that I want to do, and I think I recommend people do instead of you know get get a debt for a car. Like once you pay off your car, you don't have. Uh, you know, any payments going toward it, just keep saving that money, that same payment into a savings account. And then once you have that, uh, that whole account full, you can go ahead and buy a car. So it's like you're making monthly payments, but you're not actually in debt. You're just making that payment to, to keep saving money. Um, speaking and of, you put it into a savings account where it can like kind of gain some interest too. Well, I actually invested but <laughs> but it's like in 60% of of it is like in in tax free bonds anyway um <laughs> uh number 6 do you want to own a house someday um potentially i honestly i'm pretty indifferent like i don't i don't feel like a passion that i need to buy a house i think it i if i want to live in a house whether I buy it or rent it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. I think I think typically in, in Jose and I's conversations about this, the decision to buy a house is more like we're running the numbers and saying financially, is it more affordable? And in the long term, in terms of wealth building, is it better for us to buy or rent? Mm-hmm. So it's less about me just buying it for the sake of buying it because I want to own it. It's more like what is the best financially going to give us the most return in the long run. And if I want to live in a house, then I'll live in a house, whether I'm renting it or buying it. But I mean, at this point, also renting really fits our lifestyle because we just like the flexibility of not being tied down to one place. We like the flexibility of just because we're so busy in our day to day that we don't really want to bring on the, the commitment of owning a house and having to take care of the maintenance and stuff. That's just, I think people underestimate like the commitment that is. And for us at, at this point in our life, we're prioritizing like our careers and just our relationship. And so we'd rather spend more time on that than on like fixing a roof or something mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i think um like if if anyone out there is trying to buy a home or has recently done so um make sure you run all the numbers like it's so it's so important i, I think most people underestimate the amount of risk taking when buying a home it's it's insane and home when you when you buy a home um and you calculate returns. Like <laughs> I was talking uh, about this with someone not too long ago. They bought a house like, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And they're like, look at this return. It's like amazing. And I'm like, okay, yes. But I know you spent like $4,000 on the floor. You spent $16,000 fixing, you know, putting, you know, uh, upgrading the hurricane shutters or whatever, and, and making the windows like impact proof or whatever. Uh, you know, this went out, that went out, and you keep subtracting all those costs. Eventually, you run out of. <laughs> yeah, the, the like, you might actually have a positive return, but I mean, Rami likes always mentions in his book, "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." Like most people, like are barely even breaking even once mm -hmm. you like calculate all those mm -hmm. costs. And when you're young, one hundred percent, I I think it's it's a matter of investing, because the the return when you're 65 if you look at it it's it's insane it's super insane if you what was the calculation i made um when i decided not to buy the house like uh last year um i sat down and i ran the numbers and i realized that the down payment if i just invested that by the time i was 65 would have been worth the same thing as the whole house uh at that when I was 65. So 
it's I don't know if I'm confusing you with that, but basically, uh, the ten percent of the house would grow to a hundred percent of the value of the home at age sixty-five, and not the, I'm lost. Yeah, I know <laughs> it can get <laughs> confusing, but the main point was the compounding effect is much much better in stocks. So for me, it's um, I'm trying to hold off buying until I'm thirty-five. I think also it depends a lot on like where you live too, because like we live in South Florida, which if you watch the news or have seen anything about it, like right now it's really expensive to buy a house in South Florida. I mean, it's really expensive to rent too. It's just expensive to live here in general. But maybe you live in like I don't know the middle of nowhere, and it's really affordable for you to buy a house. Then maybe that's like a good option for you. But I think, I think it just depends so much on like your circumstances, like your, your financial state, your location, your age. I think it, there's so many factors that like, there's no one size fits all answer. Like you need to really like, look at all your factors and decide what's the best decision for you. Mm-hmm. More on that in a future episode. <laughs> this this question was I thought it was funny. Do you have any accounts or spending I don't know about? If so, why do you keep them a secret? I do not. <laughs> I love how he's like. If so, why do you keep them a secret? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Number eight. What do you appreciate about the way we've spent money so far? Wait, you didn't even answer. Uh, <laughs> I definitely have a huge stash of cash. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Why would I have that? I don't know, but I'm just saying you didn't even answer the question. Yeah. You just moved on. Because so it was quick. a joke. <laughs> I think. Oh, it wasn't actually in there? It is actually oh, in there. Wow. But it is. I saw the question. And I was like, this is something I should ask Sunday uh, in front of everyone. <laughs> uh, okay. What do you appreciate? So, yeah. So what do you appreciate about the way we spend money so far? I appreciate that we're very sorry. We we really like make decisions together and like consult each other and make sure we're both like comfortable with whatever we're spending our money on and like how we're budgeting. Um, and I really appreciate that we can have those transparent conversations and both like be understanding of one another because I. I've just seen like a lot of couples that don't, um, they can't relate to that. Like they, they don't communicate well on money. They don't have an open mind towards the other person and figure out how they can, um, like compromise. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so like, I'm just really grateful that we can have those like open conversations. Yeah. Um, I guess I, um, proud of what we've built so far yeah that too because i i don't think i by our age too yeah i i i, 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 I don't want to talk about it too much but for me like i keep saying like if i would have you know in college like seen especially with the business you know what yeah we would be doing <clears throat> um yeah i i, I i'm I'm astonished that like it actually happened, but I think a lot of that is luck. <laughs> um, but I but no, it's hard work. It is hard work, but a lot of it for me, it's 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 been luck. And I I've talked about why I think that is to you, but the fact that like I was able to come to the states, like that is or being born in the family I was born, that was like 100% luck for me. And so I'm. It's not luck. It's God's plan for your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yes yes a hundred percent. I guess some people either would just say it's luck, but for me, yeah. for me, like I am thankful for for what it is and and appreciative of what we what we have. And but also with that, seeing that or understanding that that for me is just managing God's money, like it's just stewardship. And so yeah. Um, Though I appreciate what we have, we, I want to, you know, think of this money and because it is not as my money, but as God's money. And so how, how to 
you know, actually impact people with what we have. So that's, that's a huge question that needs to be asked. I feel, I also feel so grateful just to like have financial literacy because like just to have discovered, um, how to manage money properly at such young age, because I feel like I've just listened to so many like podcasts and stuff of people who are like age 50 and they're like, oh my gosh, I just like learned about Dave Ramsey or I just learned about Ramit Sadie and I'm, now I'm trying to like backtrack and um, like save for retirement and like budget and stuff like that. And I'm just really grateful that we were able to like learn good money practices at such a young age so that we can plan for our future. What is one thing you would change about the way we handle our money? She knows. I wouldn't it. change much. I would. What would you change? Um, I guess uh, there's a couple of ways to answer this question. For me, the way I perceive money sometimes can be unhealthy. And I talked about this in the beginning about how I, be, because, I mean, especially because I'm in this like cyclical business where, you know, one month I'll be like super busy with projects and, you know, some, some weeks I would you know, not do anything for me, it's, um, you know, it's understanding that I'll be okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how to, how to go about doing that. I think one of the things that I started implementing was actually spending more money, um, to let go, you know, and to give more money away, to let go of that sense of, um, of holding on to it, you know? So I know it's look it's so funny for me because like it's called slow brew finance because I want people to take a, a stoic kind of look at money and to be able to enjoy it and be able to be wise. But I think most of the time I'm speaking in the mic is just for me. You know, it's just me reminding myself like, hey, it's it's okay. Like for me, like I know God's gonna take care of me. I'm not gonna go hungry. I'm not gonna lose. You know lose everything um and it's i guess it's one cautionary tale for me to like tell other people like sometimes like the uh, how, how would i go about saying this the your money sensibilities don't really go away with the amount of money you have like your money personality you know and, and my money personality has been one of like being conservative and saving. It's so interesting that you say that because I feel like when we first started dating, you actually weren't like that. You were like I a was really big spender. Oh yeah. So I, even though you just said you think your money spending habits don't change, but I don't think that's true because your personality and stuff towards money has changed a lot. I'm not saying they don't change. I'm saying they don't change with a certain amount of money in the bank account. I'm yeah. not, I'm saying, Okay, just because yeah, you yeah. have X amount doesn't mean you're going to start treating money differently. Yeah. Like this is actually a huge point that Ramit talks about in his book. It's that you actually have to exercise spending money. This is why it's a huge problem in the financial independence, retire early community that, that people just learn how to save and save and save and save and they don't actually learn how to spend it. Yeah. So later on in retirement, they just, you know, people end up dying with this huge, huge amount of money and huge amount of regrets. So mm-hmm. it's actually learning how to exercise those muscles of mm-hmm. spending. And, you know, some people need to exercise that muscle. I'm one of those people who needs to exercise that muscle more often. Um, but then some people need to exercise the saving muscle because that muscle doesn't sometimes it's not, a, it's not even existent, you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and yeah, I was, it's so funny because like in college I was the spender. Like I would be like, Sunday, let's go out now. Like, let's let's go spend. And I would put a lot of that in the credit card, and I'd not really think about it because I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a job someday and actually get serious about it. Um, but there was like a time period between between college and and getting my first job. It was like a six month period where I I don't know. I saw a lot of ups and downs in my family, and uh, especially again, especially having the business. Like sometimes it's hard for me to say like, I'm going to spend this money because I'm thinking 
this might be gone. Like, that's it. We're going to go three months without a client, you know? And so, um, so yeah, so I'm just exercising that. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, will we pay for our kids' college? How long have we been recording so far? It's been a while. I was just wondering, because I was looking at that, because I thought you normally, like, record on that thing, and I didn't see no, it. No, no, no. We're good. Um... Yeah, I think so. I think I would want to... I don't really know that much about it, but I think I would want to do one of those things where... I don't know. I know there's these, like, types of accounts where you can, like, kind of invest into them for your kid's college, and then it, like, appreciates. So by the time your kid is... Like, if you start investing when they're, like, super young, by the time they're ready to go to college, it's, like, basically can fully fund their college. I think I would want to do something like Mm -hmm. that. I'm still, I'm still I, working through that question. I think it depends on like how many kids we have too. I mean, I I don't think we plan to have like a ton of kids, but like I could see how like it would be different depending on like the amount of kids you have, you know? Because I feel like if you have like one or two kids, it's a lot more doable. But for families that have a lot of children, like I could see how like that could be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um. Def, I, I do want to pay for my kids' college. I'm still. Oh, try- I thought you just said you're like I'm still trying. I'm to still work working. Through it. I'm I'm working through the question of how to actually invest for it. Oh, okay. Um, I do want to pay for the the other thing for me is like this world is changing so fast that like what is even yeah. college gonna look like? Yeah, in 18, that's so 20 true. Years? That's so true. So, um, yeah. The the cool thing about those accounts, the ESA five twenty nines is that you do get tax-free growth. But mm-hmm. one problem for me is knowing that, well, first of all, the kids do, doesn't go to college. I gotta, I have to give it to someone. Yeah, how does my that family. work? You would, you would um, like, for example, I could give it to my nephews and nieces oh, okay. if that doesn't happen. I could also use it for myself or whoever, like, within the family. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's so weird for me to, like, actually go through the saving and then all of a sudden you s- just like spend it and and that invest I-, I wonder if there's a way to um have residuals from that saving and so i i this is way too complicated for what i'm you trying mean- to do i'm still working through that question of how what is the best way to do it the the the, the traditional answer is to open a esa 529 yeah. and then to be honest, I haven't really like thought about it much, but yeah. that is a really good point that like it could be better to invest that money, just invest it normally yeah. so that in case they don't want to go to college or maybe, I don't know, like you said, the world changes. Maybe they yeah. don't need to go to college or maybe they don't even want to pursue a career that needs a college degree. Then you still can like put that money towards something else yeah you know what it is it's the it's also the idea of like i might be able to cash flow it later on you just like pay for it as i go Mm -hmm. um and uh, and then keep 20 years of growth (laughs) you know what i'm saying and then those 20 years of growth would be more at age 65 than if i just spent it on my kids college Mm -hmm. and i i don't know what kind of financial situation i might be in so yeah i i have valued flexibility a lot so yeah taxable might not be the worst idea i mean like the tax savings are um are definitely present but i'm not i don't know if they're that significant that i would give you know uh, you know give up give up the opportunity cost of actually keeping that money so i'm still i'm still working through that uh do you plan on leaving any money behind when we die yes I'm taking it to the grave. <laughs> no one touch it. It's in the it's in the grave with me. No, I'll give it out. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, so here's the last question. What do you want our money to do for us that it hasn't done yet? Allow me to retire in the future. But you mean like when you're like 65? Yeah. Yeah. Good. And I would say allow us to start a family in the future too. Yeah. And just support the family, like, um, and allow us to still have the same, like, freedom and flexibility as we do now. Because I know, like, 
the only reason I say that is because like with bringing another person into your family, it's like something that you need to financially prepare for. Like I know no one wants to talk about it, but like, I don't know why I feel like that's like taboo, but to me, it's important to think about the financial responsibility of like bringing kids into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say we would need to do another episode once we have a kid. <laughs> Just yeah. asking the same questions because I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know to what extent, but it's definitely going to change our view on money. Like it will, yeah. it will, it will 100%. Yeah, and I just, I don't know why, like I feel like no one wants to talk about the fact that bringing kids into the world and like, like just the responsibility that you in my opinion as a responsible parent if you're bringing kids in the world you need to like be responsible for them and like be able to give them a life where they can like thrive you know mm -hmm. i don't know why i feel like that's like an unpopular opinion i but. feel like <laughs> well i mean our, our views i feel like on kids is for, for me i've always said that kids don't need that much i mean no, I, I'm they don't, not that much but i'm saying like i just if i have a kid i want to be able to give them the best life that i can give them you yeah know? true but for me it's always been like an idea that like the best life sometimes is way more simple than people make it out to be yeah i agree that's a good point it doesn't have to be like you know super bougie tennis lessons yeah. and in no, equinox or something. No, that's true, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It's just crazy how, like, things like school and stuff can, like, actually be so, like, pricey. Yeah. And... I mean, I, like, I private can, schools. We're gonna talk, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, we, I, was, I was like, we're going to talk about this on air here, but, uh, like, for me, one important thing might be the, the schooling, for sure. Yeah, I think I, that's super important, too. Yeah, no. And, uh... Like, as someone who went to... A private school like I I mean I, I also didn't go to public school but just from what I've heard from public school it like just kind of draws me away from that and makes me want to invest in a better education for my future kids. I mean uh, that's given the if we stay in Florida South Florida does not have good public schooling yeah I mean it I there's other places that don't have good public schools too yeah it, it just it just kind of you know we'd have to work I'm not against public schools or anything I just no I'm not against them either but I am against general. certain public schools yeah <laughs> for sure so cool all right that concludes the YNAB questions here's my last question to you small cap value yay or nay Yay. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it for today, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>